Welcome to Kino Society with Owen Shapiro. In today's episode, we have Axel Kuchewski, an Argentine film journalist, screenwriter, and film producer. Among his greatest successes is the film The Secret of the Rise by Juan Jose Capanella, movie that won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film at the 82nd Academy Awards, in which he participated as associate producer. Welcome to Kino Society, Axel. Hi, it's a pleasure to meet you finally. Would you mind telling us a bit about your background and what attracted you to movies? Oh, so you have like three hours? No, I'm kidding. Okay, I grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I, I fell in love with film when I was a kid. And I dreamed, dreamed for, for years. I thought being a, a movie maker was my destiny. But, you know, life is kind of a, it has a mysterious ways. And I ended working on TV, uh, first as a TV reporter specializing on, on movies. And then I was part of the programming, you know, group that was responsible for uh, the Argentinian biggest TV network, which is Telefe. And I was there for, for many years. I also have a sideshow, which is I'm, I'm a TV host. And I was hired by TNT, who handles the Oscars for Latin America. So I was working, you know, on, on programming on this huge TV network and also doing interviews uh, on, on red carpets for, for uh, TNT Latin America when... Many years ago, Juan Jose Campanella, which is a very well-known Argentinian director, came to me and said, hey, uh, have you ever uh, thought of producing films? And I said, yeah, sure. I, I, that's a dream of me. And he said, well, I, I do think you could be a good film producer. So we started working. We started working on, on the project that became The Secret in the Rise. And as you uh, said before, was uh, did win the Oscar for Best Foreign Film 10 years ago. So that was that's, that's how I came into be a, a film producer. So you'd say your first um, experience as a producer was pretty successful. Yeah, my first, my first uh, created film. I, I think it's it's a rather unique story because you know you have heard a lot of people talk, you know talking about their struggles in order to you know to to do the job they have been dreaming of for many years. But in my case, it was just like that. You know, it was like I don't know. I I, I don't think. I can't imagine anybody else in the world having an experience as mine, which is rather. What was the first movie experience that you remember? You know, there's there's a family lore that says that I saw my first film when I was like three months old, and it was an European art house movie. Uh, of course, I don't remember a thing of that, but I do remember myself watching, you know, uh, films on TV when I was uh, like five years old and my parents and grandparents taking me to the movies. And my dad used to have, this, this is going to sound like uh, kind of alien to you, but there was something called super eight millimeter uh, projectors. But the thing is my dad used to have one of those and he used to rent super eight millimeter films. And he used, we used to have uh, movie nights way before, you know, uh, VHS or DVD or even, you know, uh, watching movies on, on, on uh, VOD. So I grew up, it's not that I have a single one memory of a particular movie. I can remember every single movie I've seen. Don't ask me why. I don't remember my parents' birth dates, but I do remember every single movie I've seen. It's quite the accomplishment. Yeah, I think Super 8 is still around for mostly student films nowadays. Like students at universities often make their films with Super 8 kind of as an older, more homage thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, there, there has been a comeback of, you know, all the those uh, film uh, 
formats in the last couple of years. But back then, you know, in the 70s, uh, mid 70s, and I'd say like, yeah, early 80s even, uh, that was the only way you had to capture your family somehow. I mean, there wasn't any other way besides, you know, uh, taking pictures or taping their voices to do anything. There were no uh, video cameras back then. So that's the reason why my my dad bought, you know, a Super 8 camera and then a Super 8 projector. So what was it like going from watching movies and talking about movies to making movies? It was a ride. <laughs> that was a hell of a ride. It was a roller coaster. Well, you know, b- before becoming a producer, I, I wrote some sitcoms and TV shows in my country. So I had some experience, you know, uh, how, you know, a, a comedy or a drama was put forward. You know, I, I knew how to structure uh, a narrative and how, uh, which elements do you need in order to set up a, a TV show or a TV series or a movie. So I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big surprise in the sense that it wasn't... Uh, completely different uh, from the things that I, I was doing previously. Yet, the whole experience of knowing that two years of your life, which is a huge investment in one single project, are going to end in the big screen, that was something completely different, you know. I wasn't prepared for the, the kind of reception that the movie had. So do you think that your production experience changed your perspective as a journalist? Well, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to separate both things. Uh, when you're interviewing people, as you're doing now, you're learning. You keep learning a lot. So the moment I became a producer, all that knowledge that I got from interviews was completely useful. And also, you know, becoming a producer, I became also a better, uh, you know, interviewer because I knew the process from the creative process from inside. So I do think, I do think, you know, that both things are, they work together at the same time. It's, it's, it's almost the same thing. What's your specific role on a set? Well, <laughs> I seldom go to set. Uh, my job, it's much more about creating the project, getting financing, uh, packaging the whole idea, getting every single element that eventually will become the movie. If I go to the set, it's basically because I'm busy. I have nothing to do on set. You know, I, I am not a field. Pro- I am not a field producer. It's, that's not my job. I do a lot of things before the movie starts shootings, and I do a lot of things while in other places while the movie is being shot, and also um, I do a lot of things after the shoot ends. I don't have a lot of things to do on, on set. Uh, I do feel kind of an intruder each time I go there, and it's like, oh, he comes the producer. You know, everybody looks at you like you're. Uh, mean evil guy even though I, I i have no i have nothing to do on set so they you've produced mostly argentinian movies right i would say that you know uh, out of 84 movies i've been involved like i would say like 70 were either argentinian or co-productions between argentina and some other countries but i have made movies in chile i made movies in spain a lot i made movies in canada i made movies uh, let me see in mexico and bolivia and yeah I, I i i've been working in a lot of places but most of the films i'm involved with used to be argentinian that that was before I became, uh, you know, for many years I, I used to work for, for companies. So when I used to work for companies, it was a completely diff- different game than the moment I, I decided to go to fly solo and created my own uh, production company, you know. So now I'm working on shows, uh, TV shows and movies in England a lot. I'm, I am mostly working on England basically now. So are there any differences between producing in Argentina and in Europe? Inflation rates? That's a huge difference, you know, in countries, in, in countries that are, are going through an eternal crisis like Argentina, you don't know exactly how inflation rates will affect you. You don't know exactly how much 
I don't know, uh, uh, diet soda will cost in a year. And that affects the way you're prepping, the way you're planning, the way you're thinking about the project and how to finance a movie to be made in a country where the currency loss keep, keep losing its value like every single day. So that's that's the main big, big difference. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that it's really, well, I guess you know a little bit about, about Argentina. And it's a country where um, last year, the inflation, the, the annual inflation rate was 47%. You can imagine living in a country where things at the end of the year basically are do cost two times that they used to cost like 12 months before. It's almost impossible to set up a movie in, in a country like that. And that's why I keep, you know, uh, cop making films that are co-productions between Argentina and some other countries. That's the only way to put uh, to put together a movie without the strain, the financial strains of a movie that has such a huge uh, inflation rate. So you'd say it's a much calmer experience to film something in a country with less of an inflation rate. For me, making films outside Argentina, it's basically like taking vacation. That's, that, it's, it's a huge difference. At the same time, that prepare me for everything. So, you know, um, living in a country like, like I used to live, I used to live in Buenos Aires, I moved into uh, LA uh, a year, almost a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. Uh, you know, when I was living there, I became, you know, my skin grew thicker. That, that's something that happens when you live in a country like Argentina. So what makes you interested in betting on a project? Is it just intuition? Well, you know, I, I would say that the first thing you ask yourself is, would I pay a ticket for this movie? It's a movie I would like to watch. Uh, it's, it's a, to see, it's a movie that will affect me emotionally somehow. It's a narrative I, I do think uh, it's compelling. Uh, it is, it, I know, how do I connect with the, the material? Do I connect with the people who is making the film? Do I admire pe the people behind the idea, behind the story? It's an issue that I do think I would like to address somehow. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of questions that make you decide why uh, a movie is something that you want to pursue. And I want, you have to remember this. Making a film takes like two years at least, you know? So it's a huge commitment. You're going to spend two years and even more than that thinking about one single idea, about one, this, you know, a project that is going to, you know, hijack your life somehow. So it's a huge commitment. You have to, you have to be completely aware of the stuff that you're doing. You have to know, uh, you have to have a clear motivation in order to have this kind of commitment. So what do you think is the highlights of your career so far? Let me see. There are a lot of movies that are I'm really proud of. Some of those films where uh, I, I've been involved with have been huge successes in either my country or some other countries or, you know, like The Secret in the Rise, which was the movie that made me a producer. Uh, and as I told you before, uh, went into winning the Oscar. Wild Tales, which is another movie I was part of that was nominated for an Oscar. That was a movie that I, I enjoyed a lot. It was a, it, that was a great experience. Besides that, uh, there are some a lot of films that are not so well known outside Argentina that are... I do feel I own somehow. Yeah, that's a good way. You, you, in order to to embrace a process, you have to feel that you you own the brush. It's not not in real terms. It's not that you really own the movie. You have to feel that you own the movie. You know. So I would say that a movie like Paulina La Patota, which is a movie that I that was my idea and did win the Cannes Film Festival, that was a movie that I was I'm really proud of. So that's 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 a, that's a highlight. And of course, there's you know after creating my own production company with 
with my great partners, Finglin and Cindy Tepperman, we created a show in the UK, which is called Stage, that you can watch that show on Hulu, Hulu, uh, starring David Tennant, Michael Sheen, uh, with with uh, guest stars as Whoopi Goldberg, Ewan McGregor, Cable and Shet, uh, Samuel Jackson, Shudy Desh. I mean, that's that's a show that we created, you know, uh, in lockdown, and that, that was broadcast in the UK by BBC, and I'm really proud of that. I think that we we made a, a, a good show in a very stressful moment for, you know, mankind. <laughs> Which was, you know, uh, COVID nineteen lockdown. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. That's that's one of the latest projects that I'm really, really proud of. So, is there any um, conflicts between the decisions of the producer and the director that often occur? No, I mean always. But you know, actually, you need conflict in order to have creativity. I mean, it's like the idea that that you can create without any constraint. I mean, it's it's it's, it's not real. I mean, you're always dealing with real life while you are creating something, and that means that from time to time directors and producers we don't we don't have to agree on everything we don't have to agree on everything it's like we, yeah we have discussions we but that's that's part of the creative process i mean it's not you know that there's a whole idea in the world that creativity has to has something to do with art and actually the creative process have nothing to do with art I and mean, you have you have you can have crea- a creative creative process applied to everything i mean you can be a ve- highly creative cab driver you can be a highly creative you know and whatever whatever you want to do you can find new ways of doing things because creativity is actually the way you are facing conflict since 2004 you have been the host of the pre-show f- of the delivery of the oscars for tnt in a transmission that is seen by more than 120 million people. What does this mean to you and why do you think awards are important? Well, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, the best thing about movie awards and, and TV series awards is that you, uh, those, those award ceremonies are basically a way to raise the profile of project, make people, you know, uh, curious about movie uh, or a TV show. And that's that's something that actually quite good. A lot of TV shows. i give you an example. Have you seen Shit's Creek? But, but you know about the show. Okay, the, good, it's re- the, the show is really good. It was made in Canada. It was a Canadian show. Nobody cared about it. became a sensation after getting some nominations for, I think it was the Golden Globes or the Emmys. But this, before that, it, it was a hit in Canada, but nobody knew about the show. And now... The show is being broadcast all around the world. And you can watch Shit's Creek anywhere, you know, from Latin America to Eastern Europe to Asia. And that's because you have awards. So I would say that award, award ceremonies are amplifying. And that's a really good thing. Um, for me, you know, being on the red carpet, interviewing people, it's, it's really, I, I, I'll tell you, it's a riot. I have a lot of fun there. I have a lot of fun. And, and to meet people that I've been following for years, you know, uh, as a movie fan, not only as a producer, but also one thing that happens, a thing that happens a lot to me is I have friends that are being nominated like every single Oscar, uh, you know, ceremony or every single Emmy or, or Golden Globes Award. So when you have your friends being nominated, it's lovely. It's great. It's great to meet these people on the red carpet and, you know, hug them and say something like, hey, break a leg. This is going to be your night. I love you. I'm really proud of you you're my friend yeah it's i love this i I love i love to tell people why that watching films and and watching you know a tv show is a great thing to do and that's a really nice platform to do that it's a beautiful launching pad for that 
So you mentioned that it, awards can sometimes bring light to things that aren't very well known. But what about the other side, which a lot of people tend to have problems with, where instead of nominating things that are lesser known and more creative, they tend to, like the term Oscar bait exists because there are a lot of things that are, feel as if they're made to appeal directly to awards. Well, you know, based on my experience, there is not such thing as Oscar bait. There is no way to create a movie that, it's, that you know it's going to win uh, an Oscar. I, I, I'll give you an example. This year, 90, I think it was 92 or 93 movies from all around the world are participating in the, you know, uh, international film feature uh, category for the Oscars. It's, it's formally, formally known as Best Foreign Film. They changed the name like a couple, two years ago. So that's 92 movies. And out of those, those 92, at the end, you will have five candidates for the Oscar. I mean, there's no way that you can create a movie with the single purpose of winning an Oscar because the process is so complex and it takes so much time that if you even try to create movie, a movie for, you know, in order to win an, an award, voters will notice that. <laughs> so I don't think there is any chance to create a movie with that single purpose. I'll give you an example. This year, there was a lot of buzz about the film called uh, Hillbilly. What was the title? Hillbillyology. Yeah. Have, have you heard about that? Yeah. That, that was. Yeah, I heard actually really bad things about that one. Well, you know, the movie was, I, I heard that when the movie was, uh, before it was released, a lot of people said something like, this is Oscar Bay, they're aiming for the Oscars, and it's, you, can, you can smell it, you can smell, smell Oscar, there's Oscar written all over it. And you know what happened at the end? It got only two nominations, Best Makeup and Best Supporting Actor for Clean Clothes. And that's it. So that's, that's the kind, the, I mean, this movie, I mean, kills that notion of, you know, Oscar bait. I don't think that you can create the movie with the single purpose of winning an award. It's definitely. A lot of people often say it's you have to do a period piece or you have to do... It's always a different argument each time. I mean, if there is a recipe for that, I want it. I'll give you my email. Please send that to me. <laughs> well... Tell that to the guys uh, that made Parasite. Yeah, that was definitely a unique choice that I definitely liked. That was my favorite movie that year. So Yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, we can, if, if we look back to the last 20 years of the Oscars, uh, well, I would say you don't have a lot of period pieces there. I mean, no. I mean, you have Green Book. Yeah, you have some movies here and there. But there's a lot of movies that aren't period pieces, you know. So there are no rules. There are no rules. It's, it has much more to do with the sheer quality of the project, how the project connects with the audience. And I would say how the project interacts with content, how a project comments on the world around us. That makes a movie worthwhile for, for the Oscar. Well, earlier this year, or very recently, actually, the Golden Globes nominated a movie called Music for uh, Best Comedy, which was, uh, I saw it a, f a while back, I think like a day after the Golden Globes, um, and that was absolutely horrible. Everyone was uh, pretty right about that. I, and people were very, very confused. Same thing with uh, the a American movie getting nominated in Best Foreign, which everyone was confused about. Let's go uh, one by one. In the case of music, I haven't seen the movie. I have no idea uh, exactly why the movie was so insulting uh, for so many people. You must remember that Golden Globes are not the Oscars. There's a huge difference. I mean, the Golden Globes are being uh, held by a, an organization called the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is roughly 80 members from different countries that are living and working on the U.S. Sorry, in, on, on, on L.A., so it doesn't represent what the industry thinks of itself. It doesn't represent how filmmakers see their peers. It's not, it's, 
So it's a different, completely different game than the Oscars. And the other movie you mentioned was Minari, which is a South Korean film. It's a rather good, nice, uh, nice film. I, mean, I, I really like it. The thing with Minari is that Golden Globes, the Golden Globes have, have an, a category which is uh, called Best Foreign Language Film. And that doesn't mean that the, mo that the movie has to be from a foreign country. It means that if the movie is not in English, it qualifies. I think I think that's pretty ridiculous, but okay then. I mean, yeah, it could be, but that those are the rules. I mean, if you want to play the game, you have to play by the rules. You know, bottom line, each time somebody is giving away an award, we are talking about subjectivity. It's an opinion. An award is an opinion. If someone thinks that your work stands out, it's not a rule. It doesn't mean that the movie is better or worse than the other films. It only means that the people that it's giving away that award like that movie better than the other. And, you know, that's why I don't discuss awards. I mean, I, I don't discuss the, I mean, not, not the award as a concept. I don't discuss why the Oscars are giving away an award to, I don't know, uh, Green Book instead of giving that award to a movie that I think is better. Because at the end, it's, it's a simple matter of taste. I like some, some stuff. You like some other stuff. Are we going to fight about movies? I don't think so. It's not going to happen. So speaking of taste, do you have any favorite movies or directors? It's weird, you know. Um, I would say that I have many favorite films and many favorite directors, but that list is so long that it will take us like days and days to, you know, mention every single name on that list. You know, it's like, it's not that I have a top 10 films. In fact, I have a top 10 list, but it, it keeps changing like every two hours. And if you ask me now, which movie is your favorite? I don't know. Maybe I will say uh, The Searchers, the 1956 movie directed by Sean Ford and starring Sean Wayne. But if you call me in like three hours, I'll tell you another movie because I keep changing. I'll, I'll say another movie. I keep changing. You know, if you love films and if you really love movies, it's not that you leave, love a particular film. You, you love movies in general. And that's what happens to me. That's definitely very understandable. So... All right, we're almost out of time. So how can my listeners connect with you? You can, guys, you can follow me on, on Twitter, you know, uh, at Axel Kuschewatsk with the last, without uh, the last letter, Axel Kuschewatsk. And you can, uh, I, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I do everything. If you have a new social uh, network, give me a call because I probably I will shun. I'm very much into, into social network. I, I enjoy the interaction with, with people. So yeah, you can find me there. All right, that's all for today. Don't forget you can subscribe to Kino Society on iTunes and Spotify. Bye.